Welcome to the Walt Weekly Podcast with your host, Walter Latham Sr. and co-host, Michelle Sweeney-McCombs. Today's show is part two of Ladies' Night, Roles, Relationships, and Parenting with Keena Parnum and co-host, Michelle Sweeney-McCombs. Thank you for listening to the Walt Weekly. But women's place at that time, you know, your generation, even before your generation was in the kitchen. You know, but I think that our my, the way I was raised, the way I was raised, yeah. you know, I saw my father get up and be out of the house at 5 a.m. Right. Every morning he went, he worked every day. You know, uh, he wanted a lot of children. Um, my mother, you know, came to her senses after the eighth child. And she says, listen, you can't afford these kids. You know, we are struggling here. I have to get a job. He, You know, my parents' relationship started going downhill because my mother was like, listen, I see my husband struggling. I see it stressing him out. I'm going to get a job. She got a job literally in NYCHA, New York City Housing Authority, in the building we lived in. All she had to do was go downstairs. And she didn't do that until my brother, the baby, was going to school. Right. So you're talking a last child at five years old. So my mother was home for the first seven, you know, seven kids. So she's like, you know, times were changing. You know, it was the 70s. You know, birth control came out. <laughs> she, You know, they didn't have birth control before that. So my dad really pretty much wanted her barefoot and pregnant like his mother was. There's so a that was a conflict. It's a, a control associated with it. And, and when she had to ask him for money, it was a problem. That's because- why with my husband, he has... You know, issues with me not asking him for money. But I'm like, when I ask you, it's a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't have to, I shouldn't have to ask you. And if I'm going to spend money, I don't need to answer to you. Right? So I needed some kind of independence because I was always independent as a single. You know, I still say single mother because we didn't live together while he was helping me raise my son at three years old. I still had my own issues. And my dad always told me. Don't depend on a man for anything because they're not nice when they got to give you money. And I said, that comes from the horse's mouth because you treat my mother like crap when she got to ask you for money. And it's funny because my, 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 my first relationship with the oldest kid, if I didn't want to work, I didn't have to. He was in IT as well. And when I was pregnant, a couple of months, I did not work. And in, but I swear, every, every dime that I got was being counted. And I was like, oh, oh, no, this is right. This is exactly. this cannot happen. Be restricted. <laughs> it was right. being counted. Well, I tell you, you know, and I think I mentioned this. I'm a big picture guy, okay? And that's why, I'm, I'm, you know, I aim for Mars and I land on the moon. So, you know, I consider myself landing on the moon, all right, because I aim for the stars. That's the way I think, okay? But, but everybody's think, dynamic. Yeah, by looking at that, by looking at that, you know, the way I think, not to say that everybody else should think that way, but I do recommend that we take a look at where we are on the life scale. Okay, take a look at what we are and what we got to do because we are getting killed. Okay, we don't know, you know, what these uh, rednecks and these uh, right wing conservatives. I mean, Trump has, and I don't mean, I know, Michelle, don't go crazy because I mentioned the orange man, but you got people out there now that want to put us back in slavery. All right, and you telling me about well, when he came into office, that's when all the Karen got. I mean, they were already there. They were already there. They were already there. He yeah. just brought them out even stronger. He brought them out. That, that's it. And this man got potentially can win. And you will see if we're not unified and on the same page, we're going to get the same. We're going to just get run over completely. 
Well, okay, so because gonna... we're moving away from the family unit. And, do, and I'm telling you, I, I have a, a passion for this. That's why I started this damn show. This, this show. Walter, you're going to curse me, but honestly... Well, I'm not going to curse you, but I mean... No, no, I'm just saying, when, when I say this next statement, when I say this next yeah. statement, you know how uh, right, so white, a, white society... Should you're I put a drum mute, roll? You're going to mute me. <laughs> gonna no, no, mute. should I put a drum roll? <laughs> if, if you'd like to. So you know how... You know how white society, right? If we as black people are looking for our rightful position, right? And we're just expecting, like for anyone who just expects white society and the system to just dismantle itself for us, just because we're saying, hey, you know what? We should have equal, we should have had equal rights from the get-go. Did I and say you, that? No, no, hold on. I'm getting at something, right? So the same in the same vein where... uh Let's just say the, the, the white society that is kicking and screaming every time a black person is looking or a black organization is looking to um, instill our rights and make sure that we can actually have them is very similar to men today where women are saying we have our we want our rights and we want our equal footing. Those men who feel like they should be leaders and women should be subservient to them. They are having a fit. They are having the same type of fit and tantrums about feeling like they're losing control over women as white society is having the same type of a tantrum, feeling like they may lose something that they feel like they've earned. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know, is that you know, white people run the world, okay? We don't run the daggone thing, okay? I mean, you can, you can you know, probably look at yourself in a container or a silo and say, okay, you know, that's me, and I've done that. Okay, I just gave up thinking about civil rights. I didn't even think of it. It didn't cross my mind. I had to work. I had to do what necessary to, to raise my family. Okay, even though I knew I was discriminated against in a lot of a lot of cases where I didn't get a promotion because of the color of my skin, even though I was twice as good as the guy that got promoted. Okay, but I think even looking at what some of what Michelle said, she said her father wanted to keep having kids, right? But he couldn't afford the kids. So where right. does the responsibility of the man lie? Where's the accountability and responsibility for a man to say, hey, you know what? I understand my role, right? As you say, Walter, is the head of the household, the leader. I need to make sure that I can, that my, I can always put my family in the best position. You know, right. I, I, I was, I spoke to someone one day, you know, we were talking about, you know, cause there's a lot of gender conversations today. I said, you know, what, what do you think your role is as a man? And he said, protector and provide, but I don't look at protect and provide only as a protector where if someone's beating my wife or my daughter that I come in and fight. He said, as a provider, he said, it is my responsibility to make sure that my family is financially stable. I am making sure that I am providing an environment where they can be financially stable and that they can also be financially stable whether I'm here or not and provide the level of education and guidance to my daughters to let them, apparently he had no sons, to let them know how to be, to make sure that you will be financially stable whether you are in a relationship or out of a relationship. He said, I also need to provide a safe environment for my wife and my girls to make sure that they are mentally healthy and that they are able to have those conversations. And he said, and me as a man, I need to make sure I can communicate with my family so that we can continue uh, to have a safe environment. He didn't look at protect and provide just as money and fight a man you know, fight someone off of my family. He looked at the big picture of all the different areas where someone should, uh, uh, an adult 
in a relationship should be looking to provide for their family. And I told them, I said, you know, I, I would love for you to have that conversation out loud with your fellow, with the fellow men, because I think that sometimes the role of a man, they just look at it like, oh, we sh- we're supposed to protect and provide. But if women are pr- first protecting for me, I'm like, well, what neighborhood are you living in that you're, you've got to run up on a guy every time with your woman, get her out of that neighborhood. But from a pr- uh, provide provision perspective, not all, right? Because we have a lot of different women doing different things, but women can provide today. So what is in today's society where things are expensive, inflation is at a, a, you know at an all-time high, we live in a world where a virus can come in the country and snatch someone's job, right? So let's just say if you were in a traditional household and the man worked and his job was snatched due to COVID, you do have households where the woman was working and the man was working. One person lost their job, but the other person didn't. So that provides contingency for a family. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So I think we the direction that we need to go in is is less of a hierarchy, but more so of a partnership. You have someone who you can rely on. You have someone who you, you have checks and balances with each other, strengths and weaknesses, and you build together. Well, you know, one thing I, I don't want to do, and let me make this uh, perfectly clear, right, is I don't want to wedge issue between black men and black women. I don't think we need that division, because that plays into, you know, the strategy of divide and conquer. And that's what they're right. doing. When they're putting just the female, black females on TV, and they're trying to put a wedge in so they can divide us. I'm not going to allow us to be divided. I mean, from my, whatever I can control. Okay? But we do need to, you know, just stop, you know, turn around and say, okay, what's going on? Let, let, how do we tackle this problem with... Our kids too. You got don't forget about the kids. Right? I mean, it's, I know this is y'all guys' show, but I, you know, I just feel compelled to say something. Right? Who's getting the short end of the stick? Our children. They don't have and role that, models. That's a perfect. I don't care how much money you make. That's you exactly make. right. That's exactly right. The role models, especially the male role models. That's what I'm saying. You know, that's why. I'll, that's me getting back to with the women working and being the responsible one financially. You know, my son. With his stepdad, my husband taught him about finances. You know, you need someone to teach them certain things. You know, you need someone to teach them. You said you're not handy, Walter, which a lot of men aren't. You know, they'll pay someone to do the work. But my husband, he works. He's handy. We call him MacGyver. Anything. He can fix anything. The neighbors be calling him over. You know, like he because he had to learn. He had children early, you know, so he had to learn how to fix things. So he's, you know, he's handy. But my son is like, I'm like, Justin, why aren't you out there helping him? I'm not hurting my hands. I'm a drummer. He's not handy at all. So he didn't pick that up. <laughs> but, the, you know, <laughs> on the flip side of it, yeah. he is very responsible financially, you know, um, communication wise. You know, we talk to him a lot. You know, I don't get to speak to my stepchildren like that because, you know, they were raised by their mom. But it's, it's you know, it's just having someone that is uh, versatile in skills, you know, mindset, career wise, whatever. You know, then he has his uncles, my brothers that are all in different careers. You know, they, you know, he has a lot of role models. So a lot of, you know, my son's fortunate. A lot of people don't have that. Right. A lot of people don't. Right. Have that. And and, that's, and that seems to be what's going on. That's it's prolific in the in the black community that, that the fathers, the the male role models are not there. But I think right? that 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 kind of chi- chimes into the co-parenting being a must, right? Now, while the optimal situation is that you live in a household. Hopefully your parents are married, right? 
straight through it through the end. But we know that there's a chance that that doesn't happen. So you end up in a situation where someone is out of the house. Um, it is super important for parents to be able to co-parent today. I feel like based off of conversations that I have with a lot of people, especially with, like with my son, he's, he's what about to be 29 soon. He said a, a lot of people that he knows, even though they're not in relationships, some of the men are trying to co-parent with some of the women um, as opposed to just, you know, drop and go. Now, again, that's just what he's seeing in, um, in comparison to what he's heard about previous generations. But I think that my message to women, right, is that women need to, women who are uh, custodial, custodian, sorry, the custodial parent of the children that are playing games need to stop playing games. Kids need both parents, right? If you are a mother and you feel like you're pulling double duty, don't tell your kids that I'm the mother and I'm the father. You can only be the mother. There are certain behaviorals and emotional um, opportunities that come from each of the parents. There are certain things that a mother can give to her son that a father can't. And there are certain things that a mother, a father can give to his daughters and his sons that a mother cannot. And it's, it's beneficial when they have the opportunity to have regular exposure to both. Um, you have women that are not allowing their, their uh, kids to see the father because they're mad. They're mad that he cheated. They're mad that the relationship didn't work. They're mad that he wasn't the person that he said he was going to be or for whatever the reason is. Um, if he is a safe person, let those kids see the father. Let them, let them experience him regularly. Right. You know, when I hear of, uh, you know, let's just say in a dating stage. Right. You, you know, a, a guy's like, yeah, I have kids. I see him. You know, I see my kids every two weeks. And one of my first the first things I say is, you know, so you see your kids, you know, every two weeks, that's 50, 26 weeks out of a year, two days a year. I mean, two days a week. You are OK with seeing your kids 52 days out of right. 365 days right. in the year. Right. And there's always an excuse like that's what the judge ordered. Well, did you did you fight it the same way you would fight a criminal case for your kids? Well, that takes the money. You would I'm find the money. <laughs> you would find the money. You would find them. And it's very, you know, it's very respectful Walt, for you to say that. Um, right. But you will find the money to fight a criminal case. Be present in your kids' lives. And to say, well, you know, if my son, especially when I find out that they have teenage sons, you need to be present in your teenage son's life. When my son went through a stage of being in middle school and being bullied, I didn't see the signs. His stepfather saw the signs and they nipped that in the bud very quickly, you know? So it's like there's there's something, there's something different in being uh, involved in your kid's life every day because if you're not there, Right. And of course, you're not going to be there every day because you're uh, you're not with the mother. But if you have a son, take custody of your have joint custody, have your son over, you know, do halvesies, whatever is needed to make sure that you can be present in that child's life, that you can see what his face looks like when he comes home from school one day. And you can recognize as a man that's something wrong now because he may not call you about it because sometimes you have men that's like, oh, my son and I work close. He'll call me about it. There are things he's not going to call you about. You need to be able to, to, to see the change in the pattern. And women really have got to stop, uh, you know, if you, again, if you have a decent guy and he wants to be a part of the kids' lives, and you got to figure out how to also, you know, get the, get the men involved earlier, right? You have a lot of women that have children, and as soon as they have the baby, they keep the baby to themselves. 
There is nothing wrong with you going to the grocery store and leaving that man to take care of the three-day-old baby. He's got a bond. He's right. got to establish the He's got to establish the nurturing side of him. Get him on the nurturing that. side of the house as quickly yeah. as possible. 100. I agree with that. But Keena, you also have to realize a lot of these men that don't or are comfortable with seeing their children, their son, especially boys, only a few weeks out of the years because it's a history, it's a pattern. Their father wasn't there for them. Some oh. of them. I know my my son's dad. He had nothing to do with it. You know, I always kept him abreast. His grandmother and everything was involved with what Justin was doing on a daily basis. I would send her a picture. Every time he had a school picture, I would send it to his mom. She put my son in uh, baseball and then his father felt guilty. So he was coaching with him. I mean, he's like, there's no bond there. You know, my son doesn't even call. He he doesn't call him anything. Like not, he'll, and if he does, he'll say, Tracy, he calls him by his name. You know, have- because you chose not to be in that boy's life growing up. So there's no... You know, yeah. you, you're his biological dad, but you're not his daddy. You know, like yeah. you didn't raise him and he knows the difference. So when you made that choice, like, you know, when we were dating, he would complain that his father wasn't in the picture for whatever reasons. And you know, he got treated bad and, you know, he would never amount to anything. And he proved them wrong. But yeah. now you do it to your son. Yeah. So and it's I, a generational thing. But, but I also know men, it's a choice too, because I also know men who had uh, very, very unfortunate situations growing up with mothers and fathers. And they have vowed to be super, you know, the super parent, you know, because they wanted something different. So it's the person. You know, we can't help how we were raised, but at the end of the day, each right. adult. You don't have to be, right. You make the, your own decision. Yes, it's the mm-hmm. person. And I think that mm-hmm. we need our men to have these hard conversations with their friends, right? With, uh, with their brothers to, because when this, I think when that message comes from women, it's always, it's deflected some other way, right? You know, Walter, you seems like you respect and understand the importance and the role of the black family and the role of a black father being in the house or, or, uh, you know, in, um, associated with their kids on a regular basis. So we need you guys to have those conversations and trick and, and pay it forward, the, me- the guys need to talk to the guys about it. Well, I'll tell you something. I, but I met my father two times in my life, and maybe for about a half an hour each time, okay? The last time I met my father, he was mad with me because I didn't call him dad. I couldn't. He said, you know, I called him William or Daddy Bear, you know. That was his nickname. He said, call me dad. I said, I can't call you dad, and he won't invite me, all right? And that was the last time I saw my father. And that's when I was like 20. So I saw him two times in my entire life. I mean, he's passed now. But you can imagine, you know, I'm seeing him. I go to see him in Yonkers. And, uh, and he's telling me and nonsense about this and that that was totally irrelevant to, you know, a father-son conversation, I would say. So, you- I mean, that was it. All right. But, you know, what are you going to do? Do you think that that has anything to do with the fact that, like, let's just say, right, men are taught to, now the role of a father father is, is very different, but let's just say men are taught to not talk about their feelings, right? So they're definitely not going to talk about their feelings when they know they've done something wrong, right? They push it down. They're going to avoid the conversation. They hate when a woman says, I need to talk to you, right? But that coupled with, back in, I, it seems like as the generations progress, parents become more 
have more communication with their kids. Like when I was younger, kids were seen but not heard, right? Thanksgiving, you, you sit at the kids' table, you stay out of adults' business. Uh, the the generations now, you're more friends with your kids or you definitely have an open line of communication with well, your that's kids. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's a major issue when you grow, you want to be friends with your kids. That's a major issue. You're yeah, but I do like the, parent. I do like the, but I do like and appreciate the more open lines of communication. Yeah, um, I, I agree with that. That I totally yeah. agree. They should be able to come with you and talk to you on any type of topic, on any problem that they have. I agree with you. Okay. So, but I think that now, now definitely, if you know, as you already know, your father was wrong for not being there with you. But do you think that some of the, the don't reasons know, don't why care. he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't right. own up to it I, I, was also systemic. I, I tell it to my therapist. <laughs> All right. But I never yeah. been to one. That's another. We have that mental health show that we had because I'm trying to get one. Right. You know, and uh, they just booked up. You can't get one now. And yeah. it used to be taboo wow. to go to a you know mental health. Right. Right. Which, well, I, my okay. my mom finally went to one. You know, she's what she's about to be seventy two, and uh, in two months. And you know, she was like that. She didn't agree with it. She didn't believe with da 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 da. And um, when I told you about the situation, the mental health situation before with a family member, and she was she was going through it with them, trying to make sure they didn't kill themselves. And then she, after about a year, she didn't feel settled. She she didn't know what was going on with her. And we kept suggesting to go to a therapist. And there was some crazy therapist. Some guy was just like, hey, you know, get a cat. Cats help out. <laughs> and then she was finally able to connect with someone and um, love my mother to death. But man, you want to talk about stubborn? But that person was able to to get her to see things differently. I think to speak on that generation. Yeah, please. My mom, uh, because my friends, she, she was really close with my girlfriends in the salon when I was in Brooklyn. All my girlfriends would, you know, be in there getting their hair done. My mother would just sit, observe, hang out with us. She would order pizza for everybody to talk, and she would be their counselor. And she would tell them, you know, back in the day, we didn't have labels. You know, you, you guys are saying you're depressed. My mother said, I've been depressed all my life. But guess what? You would have never known because I kept it moving. I had eight kids to take care of. Oh, oh I couldn't think about myself. You know, I would... <laughs> I had no time to think about being depressed. So you guys got one child or two children and you can't handle it. Uh, you, know said, what I you know, I used to tell my mother they groomed differently. You know, you're from the South. You were groomed differently. But she said, it doesn't matter where you're from. They just can't handle stuff. You know, my mother's like, I've been depressed for years. You'll never know. But at the same time, there, I, I, in my opinion, there's 50% truth and 50, 50%, um, I don't know what the word is, but there is help that she needed that she didn't know that she needed because of the times that she was in. She should right. have gotten help. You know what I mean? But because of those, mm-hmm. those were the times, it was like, no, you don't, you, you can't think about yourself. You just have to keep moving forward. So Right. Because she had these children to take yeah. care of. The husband was working all the time. You know, she had to worry about, you know, how are my kids? I got to, you know, make sure these kids are eating. You know, she got an, a job. My, my dad gave her a budget. And guess what? That same budget he started with in the 1960s was the same budget he was giving her in the 80s. Times changed, dude. My mom was like, I can't feed 10 people off of $80 a week anymore. Oh, you know right. I mean? <laughs> so, oh. 
it got to that point where my dad was in the same position, but my mother wasn't, you know, and she had to figure it out. She said, you know, the, the, the women these days at that point when my mother was talking to these young ladies was like, you know, you guys need to grow up. You know, you have families. It's not about you anymore. When you have children, it's not about you anymore. You know, and that was the decisions that my mother had to make. She said, it's not about me. I have to, you know, I have all of these eight children, eight personalities, along with a, a ninth adult personality. My dad was a lot to deal with. So she had nine different personalities to deal with, along with her 11 sister and brother-in-laws. So, so you have no time to figure it out. You have to like, just keep moving. Yeah. But I, th- and I've never seen my mother lose it. Like she might've lost it and we just never seen it. You know, I've seen some things, but I've never seen her like break down and have a selfish moment. You know what I mean? Cause she's like, I had kids to think about, I have, you know, and when the kids are grown, it's like, what about me? So she started hanging out in my salon. You know, she made a life for herself. And my girlfriends would call her by her first name. She didn't mind, but she just told them, you ladies, you got to figure it out. You can't be selfish. It's not about you anymore. You know, my mother would tell them, I don't keep my daughters. I don't keep my grandkids. But that's the problem. You know? It is about you. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that I say a lot of times, you know, like being 47, you have a lot of friends that the kids are starting to become adults, right? Because a lot of my friends had kids in their 20s. And you have people that are saying, I don't even know who I am. Like as they become empty nesters, it's like, I've been a mother for so long. I don't wow. even know who I am. Wow. Now, one of the things with me is I've been a mother since I was 18 going on 19, but I've always known who I am. At, and even as I've changed, there's always been Sakina as an individual and as a mother. And I'm not same way in a relationship. I'm not a codependent person. I need to be me and us. So it's, In order for me to be the best version that I can for you, I need to stay in contact with who I am. Now, but I think society teaches people that when you become a parent, you have to throw everything about you that's you away. And that creates, that there's a grieving associated with that because people are not allowed, people, society tells them, you're not allowed to think about you, but you are. You just Mm. also have to think about your kids. And you have to think about your husband. It doesn't have to be all or none, you know? Right, right. And I think that- find balance somewhere. But I think that people are seeing that more nowadays. Like you have a lot of people that travel and people are going, well, how are you traveling and you have kids? You know, people are figuring out how to- Taking them with them. Yeah, people (laughs) are figuring out how to make things work. And I think that's, that's the beauty of life because where there's a will, there's a way. And if you, if you live your life in a manner based off of what society just tells you is out here for you, it's not going to, it's not going to be pretty. You know, society told me that, you know, I moved back to New York and I had a two-year-old and a seven-year-old and it was expensive. It was right after September 11th. So theoretically I was supposed to be broke. (laughs) I had a different plan, you know? Right. You know, a lot of people nowadays, especially young women and young men need to understand that your life does not have to be a situation. But also, I think women, also young women need to realize, take accountability for situations that you allow yourself to be in. Take accountability where you end up pregnant by someone you don't know because you had a one night stand. You didn't protect yourself. Take accountability when you are not having protect, you're not having uh, sexual relations protected with someone you're in a situation ship with with someone who doesn't want to have a kid. You have a lot of women right. that are, you know, out right. here 
having broken, I used to tell my son when he first went to college, I said, listen, whatever you're going to be out there doing, making, make sure you have your own supplies because you don't know if somebody's sticking a hole in something. You don't, you right. can only control, but so much. Right. Okay. But you, okay. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, I'm always looking at the bright side of things and I always try to throw in a little humor, mm-hmm. but I can hear, you know, now, you know, women now saying, uh, I didn't have sexual relations with that man. I didn't. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't have sexual relations with that man. I mean, because it goes on both sides, you know, because there's an argument yeah. right now. There's an argument today about men feeling like they're being trapped when a woman has a baby and it, and the men doesn't the man doesn't want to be a father because the man's saying, well, you could just get an abortion. That's a lot to a woman's body. You have many women that have had abortions and cannot have kids anymore. Let's try to be proactive. Well, then again, I have to say this too, you know, that when a woman has a baby, I think there should be a DNA test right then. After the baby goes into the nursery, there should be a DNA test so everybody knows where they stand. Yes. I don't okay? disagree. Right. I don't disagree. <laughs> but at the, you know, at the same time, I think that um, I, know, I know people in relationships who have gotten vasectomies, Right. It was the op- The option was the woman gets the tube ties or the guy gets the vasectomy. And the, the woman was like, it's a little snip snip for you and pain for it. Right. Some, some uh, what you call aspirin for the day. The only way that you can 100%, 99.9, let's just say, make sure that you don't knock up a woman by accident, especially if you are not interested in being a father, is by having that and having that undone. Now, granted, they say there's a, a 95% chance of reversal. But again, when men are expecting women to go through like birth control for years is detrimental on a woman's body, but it's been the norm. So pe- so guys feel like just stay on birth control or become, because some women have, u- are now using, especially the younger generation generation, they're using abortion and um, plan B as birth control. It's still not healthy to do. So right. people have to start making better decisions. We know that adults will be adults. So, I am going. I want to end. So, y'all guys, if you got some some words of wisdom, let's uh, try to close it out. It's up to you, ladies' night. Ladies' night was great. <laughs> I appreciate this. This was a good conversation. Um, your generation, Tina and mine. So, uh, hopefully, yes. some there'll be some takeaways for some people. Uh, I'm not sure if we were babbling, but <laughs> I, I I think we we were very productive in the conversation. Um, this was a good for the world. It's we, a tough we, conversation. Yeah, it's a tough conversation. You know, we need to have more of them, you know, for females as well. And, and maybe get some other perspective, perspectives from other people from their audience as well. Absolutely. And the audience will perceive it in different ways depending on how you were raised, what your current situation is, what your views are. You know, but essentially, you know, my my goal is to figure out how do we allow for opportunities and progression of women but then also make sure that we can bring our men along with us um, so that no one feels like they're being slighted and that we can have the best opportunities for families and co-parents and just, you know, people in, in uh, people as individuals so that we can go ahead and continue to claim what's rightfully ours if you earn it, if you put yourself in a position where you can go ahead and grab it. There's no substitution for working hard. Right. That's right. All right. And having objectives, right? Put them on the bathroom mirror when you go in there to take a shower in the morning. You got to list up objectives and things to meet. Okay. I still, I use the Kanban method. I, I have a mirror with post-its on it. 
Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Walt Weekly Podcast with your host, Walter Latham Sr., and co-host, Michelle Sweeney-McCombs. You can find us on Instagram at The Walt Weekly, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube at The Walt Weekly Podcast. You can find us on all streaming platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and all podcast platforms. You can find us for new episodes every Tuesday at 3 p.m. on The Walt Weekly Podcast.